Pushing Faders in association with SVG Europe Audio. Hello and welcome to Pushing Faders, the podcast where we take a look into the world of broadcast sound. I'm Chris Eckford and joining me for the very first show to discuss his career and more importantly his part in creating the standard for football coverage in England and then at the World Cup is Ian Rosam. After discovering an interest in audio at the age of 15, Ian went on to leave a degree in electrical engineering to start working as an audio assistant for the BBC in Cardiff, editing programmes on Radio 4 in Welsh. His time at the BBC was short-lived however and as a year later Ian left to join Thames. After a brief sabbatical from his TV career he then returned to broadcasting this time with Anglia, and amongst other things, working as a sound supervisor on the UK version of Fraggle Rock. Yes, if you know the theme tune, you're going to be humming it now. It was in 1992 that Ian and his business partner, fellow sound supervisor Robert Edwards, was drafted in by Sky to mix the football coverage on the newly formed Premier League. We discuss how Rob and Ian took inspiration from their work within Light Entertainment to bring a different style to football coverage for Sky, including more microphones around the pitch to focus on close ball coverage. Interestingly, I found this quote on YouTube from former head of Sky Sports, Vic Wakelin, although the beginning has been clipped off. You start to hear the thump when a footballer kicked the ball. The introduction of the replay whoosh sound was another innovation the player brought to the coverage, as well as being at the forefront of the move from mono to stereo to 5.1. Their work on football with Sky, which was now seen to be the high bar for coverage across the broadcasting world, led Ian and Rob to being asked to develop an audio production plan for the World Cup in 2002 with HBS wanting to implement a standard which will bring uniformity to the coverage for World Cups going forward. So let's crack on with it and welcome Ian Rosam to the first episode of Pushing Faders. Ian, thanks for joining me. How are you? That's not a problem. You're all right, thank you. Good. Um, all set down here in the south? Yeah, well, I'm uh, all set here in the north as well. Just first of all, if you can talk about how you got into working in TV and how your career started, I guess. I think it's uh, the classic case of the misspent youth at school um, of being involved with the local bands and uh, stuff like that and getting bits of kit and um, buying Studio Sound magazine at the age of 15 on the Surbiton Railway Station and going, oh, that's interesting, and then getting a little tape recorder and just mucking about with audio, really, um, always doing that, providing PAs and going into that kind of thing. Um, so I was in doing A-levels maths and physics, and thought, I better go to university. So I went to Surrey University, doing electronic and electrical engineering, <laughs> found out quite soon after two terms, that wasn't quite what I wanted <laughs> to do. So I wrote to the BBC, and they were taking people on. And um, I got an interview, even though I was very long haired, and I didn't wear a suit. And um, yeah, got taken on by the BBC, and sent to the A course at Wood Norton, and then shipped off to Cardiff, where they were audio assistants. So you did radio and TV. And so I was editing items in Welsh for um, Welsh Radio 4, um, which is quite interesting. Did you um, speak and that's Welsh? where I started in the broadcast. Did you speak Welsh at the time? Uh, not in the slightest. <laughs> I can still go in die three pedwa pimpsets. Oh, what's foof? Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, I could, I could count up to 10 at one point, but I can't anymore. But it's quite interesting editing in a language you don't understand because you have to take out pauses and breaths and it 
almost makes you edit better. This is on quarter inch tape, you obviously with a razor blade and, yeah, and yeah. sticky tape and an EMI edit block. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I managed to survive there a year in the BBC because I don't think me and the BBC and mentality really go together because it's a bit like being in the army. They say you never forget your BBC staff number. Well, I don't think I remembered it from day one, so there wasn't <laughs> much hope for me in that space. But that's just me being a kind of an anarchist, I think, and that. And uh, yeah, so I left there and joined Thames in London for. A salary increase of about 35% more, which was just like, you know, wow. Wowzers. So was that still working in like as an assistant kind of role at the time or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely a floor technician. Um, so I did Thames from, so that would be from, so I did the BBC, that was that'd be June 73. Yes, yeah, so I joined Thames in like June 74, um, doing all the various programmes. Um, I was based at Euston, um, which is their news programme. So we did a news programme every day, just being the floor up I um, didn't even do gram up in at that point um, and I volunteered to do everything um, because it's great for experience and Hamworth was their OB centre and because it because Thames came out of ABC and Rediffusion the OB centre if they needed extra people would take people out of the studio um, so I just did everything dramas like Miss World type stuff for everything um, on there this is your life that was fantastic. Um, but one of the things when I was at Thames Euston, I was standing next to Malcolm McLaren, um, having put the mics out for the infamous Sex Pistols um, and Bill Grundy. So that was that was quite interesting. Nice. <laughs> having been there for that. And then uh, because of a, a, a conversation in the um, TQ with Joan Shenton, presenter, um, who's uh, Venezuelan, um, she said, oh, we got, um, I got a gig with some friends of mine coming up at Dingwalls in Camden. I need a sound system. And I'd already met uh, Richard Leonard at that point via Surrey Sound Studios, where the police recorded the first album and everything, via another mate of mine, Jeff Boswell. And I knew he had some kit because he was running disco and that. And we um, stuck a PA together um, for doing dingles for, for this um, Latin American salsa band. And from there, we got involved with doing PAs for the pub circuit. So I was doing Thames during the day and then going off to pub circuit PAs in the evening. So I was, I was basically you know, burning the candle at both ends. Yeah. But it's fantastic because, you know, the mid 70s, pub circuit, everything, you know. Um, yeah, it's brilliant. So I got to that point with Thames where I was suddenly offered a European tour with an American Christian artist. So I popped into the office and said, um, can I have a sabbatical for like, you know, four weeks. They went, not really. So I chucked in a really good job at Thames and uh, went on toured and did that for like three and a half years with a company right. called Sound High, which I owned with Richard Leonard at that point. Um, it was making me ill on the road. So after about three and a half, four years, I came back into TV via Anglia um, on there. Um, and Richard went on to bigger and greater things, doing things like the Three Tenors and Dame Kiri and stuff like that, doing big, um, the operatic uh, PAs with the Omega system that he brought in. Uh, rather rock and roll and slamming around in seven and a half ton trucks around the motorways of Germany on on there. And then I stayed at Anglia. When I was at Anglia, obviously TVS had run won the franchise. Um, and I applied to the TVS and they gave me a job, still at technician level mm. in that respect. So I joined them about mm, four weeks before they actually took over broadcasting. Right. On the 1st of January 82. Yeah, probably was. I went straight from sort of like a senior floor up to pushing photos up and down. Right. So great link curve. I mean, so, TVS, we did everything, um, which is how we got involved. Um, we're doing quiz shows, live kids programs. You know, I mean, my first big show as a supervisor was um, Fraggle Rock, the UK version. All right, yeah. So remember. My claim to fame. Remember the, remember the, remember the theme <laughs> yeah. tune. Oh, so do I. I used to have my um, phone um, ring on my old Nokia, and you'd be doing jobs, and it would ring, and everybody would just go, 
Is that Fraggle Rock? I go, yeah, I go, ah, oh, I love that. I said, I was a sound supervisor, you know, first two or three series on that. I went, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. But it was great fun because I learned a lot about post-production on that because mm. we were doing 24-track post-production, locked in with a, a Q-lock system with the U-mount and everything like that, having done, you know, down moving it all yeah it was it was great fun i love 24 track dubbing um and they were i got offered the job by the head of post-production saying do you want to do and i went no no no. <laughs> i like going out and about and doing it with crews and things like that. i don't want to be stuck in a room with a 24 track um you know because we're doing all the saturday morning kids shows like number 73 and motor mouth and all that kind of stuff so yeah it was great you know i think we went on air on a saturday morning the average age of the sound crew was something like 26 and right. was, that was just like unheard of at that wow. you know in the mid 80s because everyone was dead man's shoes and you know the sound supervisors were to be at least 50 and yeah yeah <laughs> grandma probably in his 40s <laughs> and everybody else was uh, down on the floor so that was brilliant i remember you saying in your presentation for the world cup on the sort of the euros qc stuff that you've mixed your first football match in 83 was it yeah, that would have been something. Yeah, it would have been either I think Bournemouth, Reading, or, or Brighton because obviously it was regional um, on, mm-hmm. on that. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. I wouldn't have thought on, on that. And possibly a maximum of four or five mics. Yeah, out, I was say, and only one commentator. You know, God, he's just go. I don't know what mess I made of it, but uh, <laughs> so you think it was only like maybe four or five mics at that point? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, we wouldn't have put out more than that. I mean, yeah, yeah. That, that and an interview mic down a tunnel. I mean, that was it. And, you know, and a main lip and a spare lip in, in, in the gantry. I mean, it, football grounds are so primitive. I mean, at Brighton, because you know the, the audio was done, you know, via a BT and the video been a link. You know, so you always had to wire up the block. I mean, on Brighton at the old um, was it Goldson Ground, you always knew that the block could be found on top of the the, the um, garages <laughs> that were between you and the and the houses. Mm. So you get a ladder and pull it down and wire it up and everything. I mean, it's just such a different time now. To yeah. Do, you know, how did you get involved when Sky took over the Premier League then? How how did that come about? Well, that was to do with um, uh, Tony Mills and Pat Mordecai. <clears throat> they, I mean, Sky must have had an idea. We don't know. We never got involved with the conversations. That They really wanted a different approach to sound supervisors and, and, and audio and sport. So Rob got, um, I think, approached by Sky and said, can you do football? So Rob being Rob, goes, of course we can do football. Um, we were still working for TVS at that point, but we were hiring ourselves off of TVS out to other productions. And I was I was renting equipment from TVS, so I'd hire a single channel, a uh, 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 you know, single camera unit, and hire it out to people I knew. So it was part of the way we we'd formed Video Sound Services a year before we lost the franchise because I just said I, I bought a company off the peg, and we renamed it. Um, and then I say in that in, that was August ninety two, wasn't it? That the Premier League. Yeah league started um with sheffield united versus manchester united which rob did on a saturday um so we started doing that because we were doing other stuff and we're still working for tbs though they weren't making programs at that point because obviously they'd lost the franchise it was just like news and various bits and pieces going on so we were trying to already get other work um from outside i say by renting ourselves off tbs and then renting on so rob took the call went up to manchester and said we can no sorry sheffield we could make a difference to this and we did um i can't remember i don't know whether it's man city the first game i mixed i'm sure the first one i did was a monday night i haven't got uh, a diary for our company i haven't got any history mm. of what it was like in that first you know three or four months of the premiership that way but it was mono um rob had the idea of putting more mics around around the pitch so we had five on the near side one of which was on camera three three on the far side 
one on each of the corners, the one behind the goal. Yeah. So what's that? Eleven, something like that. So yeah. not like not like we gradually took. We, I mean, then then the standard after a while became thirteen. Yeah. Um, because you you know, split the middle of the other side. So it was more, so you're trying to get a ball kick that was even in the middle where it was in the pitch. That so wasn't you know you weren't getting near and far and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So we did that, and after about um three weeks, I don't know, I don't know or it might have been five weeks. I can't remember. We got to. Um. Do, do, you've seen the um the archives, right? And you get that. A53 Abacus flyback yep. for the replays? Yeah. Right. So we're looking at this, Rob and I, and we're going, hmm, yeah, it's not really, is it? You know, just flyback or whatever. And David Hill, um, Rupert Burdock's right-hand man, was in charge at that point, and he came down to one of the games, and I said, you realise what you know, we do in light entertainment with that flyback? There'd be a trigger sound effect with it. Went, oh, yeah, I won't do the Australian accent because it's appalling. <laughs> and he said, do something about it and bring it to me next week. So I went, all right. So that was a Sunday. So on the Monday, I was doing news dubbing. So I spent my lunch hour making a Yeah. Um, it could only be two seconds because the only volatile memory you could get at that point was an SPX 90 that could be triggered by a contact closure. Mm. So out of the um, abacus, you could get a GPI closure, which we, I think we've had a box at that point, but that got converted to... Um, a trigger that would do the, the, do the Yamaha. So we used to load the whoosh off a cassette, a little Walkman cassette player into the SVX90, and it was triggered off when Chris Allen, the vision mixer, hit the abacus. Yeah. So it went, whew, and it's fantastic. So David Hill liked that. And one of the things, that, and yeah, I'm sure I've spoken to, to people before, is if you're watching a match, and it's not very interesting, because don't forget, most people watching the pub at that time, yeah. nobody really had Sky Football at home. It was all in the pub, we were all doing the thing. And you're watching like a really average match, say, I don't know, again, Sheffield United versus I won't, anybody else. <laughs> and it's really boring, isn't it? And you're like chatting to your mate going, oh, you know, this is, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, what are you doing next week? Blah, 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 blah. And you hear the whoosh. That brings your eye line back to the television. Yeah, yeah. Going, oh, wow. And then you saw three slow-mo replays, which are, you know, possibly angles that weren't cut live and things like that. And you're going, oh, wow. So you never missed a moment the action because the whoosh gave you the, the audio clue that some incident happened whether it's a booking a goal an offside or anything um so it's quite interesting so it, it did pull people into what was happening on the screen and what sky were providing which was a very different look to what itv and bbc have been doing at that point in terms of their whole coverage uh, uh, uh we go the vision fixed a set of buttons i think at that point we'd actually got like the first akai samplers it was first of all it was so one and it was an s1000 so we put them so we had a box that went into midi triggers um so if you hit what the what the crowd was you've got crowd noise you know to do with the numbers going to dd um other things foot frames whatever mm. it was so basic but that was the technology to mix football because the crowd that's on the back of the effects mics, you can just basically match as you go between them. Mm. So you've got no idea whether it's from the crowd or whether it's from the from the pitch mics, because yeah. it's all just there. Yeah. So you can get fantastic pitch kicks without having to worry about what the crowd effects are doing, because mm. it's all just the one mic. So yeah. I still love the mono sound of football because it's got such a I mean, some of them are going off like cannon shots, some of the um, <laughs> some of the some of the ball kicks, you know, on that. So I still like very much that the ball kicks are paramount in terms of um yeah covering football because yeah. that is the playstation generation you know fifa and you know and you had a host you had you know bells and whistles yeah so we basically brought you know quiz show technology into sport which nobody had ever done before mm. it's interesting what you're saying about the mixing in mono because one of the things i've always been 
conscious about is obviously when you're mixing in 5-1, the louder the ball kick, the more mono it makes your, your centre, your, your left, yeah. right. So it's, it is a bit of a weird balance trying to sort of get that yeah. ball kick noise and not make your front just look like it's a mono. Yeah. ball collapse. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It is, I mean, that's, that, that is what we've been juggling all, all those years, is that is that ball kick versus collapsing. And especially with the spill from the commentary as well over the top of it. Mm. So you've got, you know, you're fighting two things, the, the, mono, the mono spill on the, on the ball kick group and the mono spill from, from the commentators. I mean, mm. how have we ever got like a, a big stereo sound? And especially now with Atmos and everything like that. I know, I mean, I was talking to Mark Legridge um, last week and it is interesting, you know, more crowd mics, which is more like the World Cup now yes. in terms of you've got more crowd effects. But to me, I think that's to the detriment of the ball kicks. But, you know, it's, it's that thing. If you're, I mean, I... I I haven't got 5.1 or anything. I've just got stereo. And I watch Match of the Day on a, on a Saturday evening. And sometimes you feel that the excitement's gone because of the lack of the ball kicks. You know, it's a, it's a balance, isn't it? What, who are you making it for? And, you know, Atmos and everything. Like that. It's, yeah, difficult. Yeah. That was interesting um, at, the, at the meeting we went to last week with the sports video group. Um, Jonas, one of Felix Kreikel's um, a, a graduate. Graduates did a very good presentation on what the optimum levels were for commentary over effects on the over international sound. Right, and he, he did an algorithm and he's done a very nice little program that showed um, where, if you, you, know, you take the center channel and you compare that with IS, where that should be in terms of loudness, things like that. And you were almost saying like AI will sort that out. You just say, just look at this target range that you want mm. the commentary to basically stay. I don't know four luffs over the top of IS. And it will automatically do that. I mean, because they did, because they after doing that, because the, the Germans League, um, you know, it's they always say because we use lip mics that the English sound is so much tighter than the European sound, and nearly all on headsets. There's just so much spill that it's very difficult to get a good commentary to um, you know ball kits to, to, to crowd noise on that. Mm. But it, it's very interesting because you know that's what we obviously try and mix to, don't we? With, with us, that we think we've got a decent level of um, commentary over the top of IS. And I must admit, I, I, I'm one of those that, that that probably haven't got enough room over the top of IS sometimes with commentary um, because I like that kind of, you know. <laughs> but, but, I mean, still um, that you can understand what they're saying, but I, I must admit, in, in the past, I've probably had my my commentary swamped by IS. It's, it's funny when you, you just mix with IS that you you don't think about the commentary at points when you sort of get in deep into the game. You then I know like when you mix the Champions League the, the commentaries on top of it, like the World Cup and the Euros and all these kind of things, you, it's like it's almost like secondary. There's going to be commentary there because you don't really mix with the commentary in there. No. See, when I when I did Champions League um, on that, I would always listen to a mix of you know, um, you know, a monitor mix of the, of, of IS you know, versus you know, the Sky commentary on that mm. um, to try and make it sit in there well to do with because you do because if you just do an effects mix without listening to a commentary on the top, it does sound different to an effects mix with a commentary on the top. Yeah, it does. It's weird, isn't it? But you know, and you think yeah, but it is nice just doing an effects mix now to worry about the commentary and just going oh yeah, I'll do that, I'll do this, and you know, let's uh, <laughs> and then you know, hand it off to all the broadcast partners. I mean, I, obviously. I've been, I've been doing the World Cup and things like this. You, it's so much different just sitting there with effects and you, you sort of can spend more time listening to your crowd, your mix of the match rather than worrying about all the little pieces. It was the same when uh, the first time I got a chance to use kick. You saw, I was very much like, 
oh, this technology, I don't want technology coming in. It's taking my job away from me. And then you sort of, you sort of use it and you're like, well, you know, it it makes doing a big event like that. You sit, you, you can sit back and pay attention to the actual overall stuff rather than, you know, frantically following the ball around the pitch when, you know, especially when you're doing five games in a week or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. I mean, I, I mean, I've never, it's a whole thing to do with salsa sound, all that. I I just think anything that comes along um, helps your job. So instead of you just being focused on chasing a stupid ball around a pitch, you go, right, I'm now going to really concentrate on how it all melds together. So every tool you get, one, it moves the job to a slightly different area, but also it, it, it helps you make a, you know, a different sound in that respect. I mean, yeah. I, you know, whenever that technology comes along, we've always embraced it. You know, I've always tried to help the people come along and go, we've got this. You go, oh yeah, let's try that out. And it's, yeah, it, everything always moves on, doesn't it? You, you, you're never going to stay static. Otherwise you're still been in, you know, mono and not, uh, and not Amos in that respect. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, going from doing mono to stereo to the early five one how quickly did that progression happen the mono to stereo to lc to what's it um pro logic what like you know, the the original um lcrs and that that happened very very quickly um on that so we were quite quite quickly into stereo um and then the 5.1 um, with keith lane and martin black we did a lot of testing off air it didn't go out because um because that's when it, the whole thing like went digital and you also went embedders. So you're in a very different environment in terms of delivery of sound and pictures. And there were there were lots of problems with manufacturers, you know, um, with Mick Dwyer from Dolby testing kit out and you get dropouts. Because as we always said, doing doing them Dolby surround audio, and to get the sound out, you've got to be firing bullets with the holes in the film um, because that's what it's about. It's about packet information fitting in a very specific um a place in the in the transmission stream so there's a lot more technical problems to do with going 5.1 rather than the actual mixing or, or what we did i mean we didn't change any techniques apart from the fact that, that it was decided by sky um that we go for a sound field um installed in a lot of places because it was very easy to capture 5.1 sound source um with a very reliable microphone rather than putting out arrays and you know and rigging stuff to make it easier for the crews as well as for the sound of it um, so there was that side of it, and I say the technology of making embedders work um, to keep, you know, w- without any you know, bangs and glitches on it, because that was a big problem in the early days. That, that must have been quite a bit of a uh, jump from like doing mo- you know the mono to stereo to five one being such a quick bit of technology coming in. It was luckily the sky were very. Yeah, sky were very supportive because they didn't want to do anything that would you know get it wrong. So. You know, it, it was testing it and putting it out. So, so when it went on air for the public, it was pretty robust. That was the good news about that. But it was that whole thing. We're all gone digital, and you know, saying embedders and everything. Nobody been there before. You know, brand new technology. Mm. You know, where everything else had been sort of even you know the L- LCRS. That's still you know very analog in that respect. But mm. you know, going completely digital with the new desk, the current desks, um, and we obviously Sky tested all the various desks on what there was, because um, it's a big step into the unknown as to where you go with digital desk you know, on, on that. I think uh, they made the right the, the, the right choice to go Cowrec, um on that with that original. So what was the first desk uh, that you would have been using? Were you even going like what facilities companies? It was 021 for the 
first um, at the, the, the start of the Premiership, and that was on an old black Cowrec mono in was it Unit Two or something? So it was well near the end of its life because it must have been built in the in the, in the mid sixties, I thought, when ATV. I mean, that's a very old truck, um, but it was perfect for football because, you know, we only had the, the, the you know, 12 mics and the stereo and a couple of commentators. There was nothing like, you know, today with, you know, on-board camera mics and, you know, an, an audio follow video. So it was, it, was, it was quite good. So, I mean, it did it did gradually build up mm. um, to, you know, today's Atmos with all the various... I mean, it's all the independent feeds that happen now. That's what's the most amazing thing about it. You know, um, I don't think there was any pre-fade feeds off to VT, I think, because if they did the interviews at the end of the match, you just faded up that microphone with that camera and it just went straight out to line to the studio. Yeah, so, yeah. But now, I mean, it's like, oh, it's, well, you know the World Cup. I mean, it's when we started with that in, um, was it 2002, uh, Japan-Korea, um, even then I don't think there were many ISO feeds, but that's the side that's grown and grown, that there's just everything going out everywhere, you know, this mm. massive routing system on, on that. And trying to keep you know control of what what, what you know what's happening. You know, you've only got one pair of ears. Yeah. Um, so a lot just goes off and you know does it, doesn't it? All on there. So you mentioned the World Cup. How did you get involved in that? Again, it came out of Sky um, for uh, what was that? So it's two thousand and two was the one we did. Um, obviously, sports broadcasting was changing. I mean, I worked on the nineteen ninety eight World Cup in France. Uh, for ABC for the Americans, so I was chasing around being a sound mix and taking the international sound, and um, <coughs> sorry, and, and and putting our own commentary on top of that. So I did that, and then I think HBS was formed by Francis Tellier, who was in charge of France '98 as an ex-sound supervisor, who was the CEO of. Um, what they called it they had a company that basically did france 98 and and put cables in for broadcast partners and so they was already going that way and obviously by the time they'd come out of france 98 and were looking for japan korea 2002 they had this idea of the host broadcasting that that does everything provides you the studio facilities i mean obviously it's it's um, monetizing it in in that respect charging broadcast partners with a big ibc and everybody's mm -hmm. got their studios and everything um i think we got involved because the sky sound was being taken as the the de facto the way you cover football you know for yeah. the world um so i think peter angel from hbs got hold of rob and said we want to do this i think that was 1999 i think we started actually first contact with hbs um and then but that's that's when we you know wrote a production plan um and it was interesting because obviously it was all on trucks at that point so there wasn't that much control over it uh, and we used um, the sound web, um, which was given to all the production crews for, for the facilities they had. Um, so we could send out, um, um, what's the word, uh, set parameters that you'd load into the sound web that would you know, make certain all the the the, um, the um, compressor settings, everything like that were all the same. Yeah. Because obviously there's crews from all around the world going to that, and it was a matter of trying to keep control, uh, make them all sound the same because. You know, it's all very disparate. Yeah. But I mean, that first year we went out to um, the, uh, we did do um, quality control because there's one big control room with the producer and everything. And Rob and I were sat at the back, and we both did the first two weeks. And I flew back, and Rob stayed there. And I went out for the final two weeks or whatever. Um, and it and it was interesting because every single crew sounded different. And and I think Rob 
went to see one of the crews to say, look, you've got to do it like this. You know, mm. got to follow. I don't think I went to see any of the crews because where I was, but Rob definitely went to see some of the crews. Um, and it built from there. Um, so we did two, you know, Japan Korea 2002. Um, and I think that was quite successful um, in that respect. But, you know, so they all got a production plan. These are the microphones and this is what you need and this is how you do it. Um, it was relatively successful, should we say. Um, but every crew sounded different. And so you weren't getting the quality control in terms of you you could still see even from the directors and the sound that you know, it was different teams on that. So Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite, it's it quite interesting after, after working on them now where you sit there and obviously hear the director being told by quality control visually you know frame mm. this like that or you've got to get this stop showing this and you know it yeah. it's, it's really interesting from a sound point of view i, I was sort of went when, on the first euros the first uh, big tournament i did and i was like didn't get any obviously feedback from my mixing but then it was the other bits like um the you know make sure this is on international sound make sure all these feeds are there and it's stuff you don't really think about as a as just a normal football match then you've got to think about all these extra people right. that are taking you know yeah. all the translations or you know, all the little bits like that. And I think that's where probably the quality control, like, I saw it as more of a feed management on the, on the tournament yeah. side. Yeah. Because I think, by, was, that, was that the Holland 2021 you did? I was, at, yeah. So I was in Bucharest for that tournament because obviously it was all over Europe, weren't it? The Yes. The, the, yeah. That Euros. But then, so I was in, oh yeah, I was in Bucharest for mine. Yeah, because I like to think that what we did as quality control on that, because obviously I was the lead supervisor on, on the Euros, because um, um, there's only really one um, on that, that we try and give um, guidance in terms of where you might be going wrong. We didn't really have to, get, I mean, you're not really getting involved, I think, in quality control at that point, because everybody could mix balls mm. and uh, into the crowd and things like that. So so that's not, but I mean, in the early days, it was, I mean, when we did then did Germany 2006, I had to go to a couple of grounds to say, yeah, you know, this this is what you need to do. And I know the, the quote when because Rob was doing quality control, and I'd gone out to Leipzig or Berlin or somewhere. Um, and you know, I, I know the producer at the front of the desk just turned around to Rob and went, "Ian got there in time." Then because um, <laughs> they could just tell the difference because it was kind of like you know, no, you have to have a gain structure like this, and you've got to have thirty six dB a gain, otherwise you'll never get the fader up and yeah. and that whole thing. And so so I mean, it's it's that whole World Cup sound, which is the Sky Sound, is now completely endemic across the whole of across the whole of football. Yeah. Because everybody's been taught via the World Cup and the Euros. Um, but, but Felix Kreikers and I actually went out to the Bundesliga a few years ago now because they had three broadcast partners like Sky Germany, I think ZDF and somebody else. And all the sound supervisors wanted to do it differently mm. with like commentary left and right, commentary in the middle, ball kicks left and right. but not, and, you know, and it was just a mess. So Sportscast, the people who actually are the main production um, company for it, got all the sound supervisors who did the Bundesliga uh, with Felix and I at um, Lavo and we had a multi-track and we took them through the whole thing about why you put the ball there, why you put commentary <coughs> there, why you do that. Because you couldn't have trucks you know, turning up and going, we need to format this because it's ZDF doing it. And if they're both on site at the same time, obviously, you know, complete mess. Mm. So, so, the, so the, 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 there is now a de facto way of doing football sound. I mean, you know, in that um, where, you know, say audio follow video with the, 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 you know, the steady cams and all that sort of stuff. I mean, the, the World Cup is, is, you're going back to what you were saying, it's very complicated mm. in terms of, you isn't just mixing the match. You've got to think like, I've got the radio IS ups at that point because yeah. radio are going to do that. That feeds into that mix, which is doing 
you know, going into that mix, which I can't pull that one out because that's doing that. So it's, you, you really have to think, you know, it's not because I think some sound supervisors just turned up and going, I'm just mixing a football match. Mm. It's not like that at all. That because when we, when we first started, we just said you have to configure the desk like this. Yeah. Because some of them are just going to turn up, and I know it's one of the teams are going. We're going to go. No, no, you can't do that because that feeds off of that, which goes to that to go to that. There's this whole kind of pyramid of the way it goes together. Yeah, yeah. And they were going. We're going to go freelancers. Going. No, you can't. You just stop now. You have to do this plan, or you'll never get all those feeds out to the right places. And of course, it's got more and more complicated than yeah. that. But it isn't just kind of because I know when. I was thinking about it again. So I've got Radio IS there because I had never met you. Know, we've obviously, but we go through. You know, what yeah, you think, and we do that. You know, we do the, the seminars where we take you through it, and and it is. You know, I always start seminars going. You've never done anything as complicated as this in your mixing lives, yeah. Because it's just massive um, in terms of the way that, and you really do have to think. So do I put audio filler video on the and they I say the radio and that's the and you're going oh I mean it's I I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily want to mix a, a World Cup match because you really do have to have in your head a different way of working because the faders have to go up at completely different times yeah. to what you're trying to do. And it's, you it have was, to remember to leave the radio IS up, so that's got to be downstream of where the TV IS is and. Yeah, I, mean, I, I yeah. remember like it's the. Night. It's my fault and Rob's fault. Sorry, <laughs> it's like looking at the um, things like the clapperboard test, making sure you take the radio yeah. IS into the EVSs at that point, so you've yeah. not yeah. got clapperboard on maybe like you know players walking around the pitch, and you yeah. sort of yeah, that's one of the. I was like, oh, I put a note in the um, in the running order that I need to do this, and yeah, and but you know by, by the second third game you sort of you got a bit of a feel for the get the idea but you got the, like a muscle memory of what yeah. you're supposed to be doing but yeah. the, the yeah. first the first game at the euros which yeah. was the first obviously first one where it had gone from just mixing a football match to you know i can mix a football match and i can mix a football match with prez but this was a football match yeah. with you know this feed going off there making sure these yeah. people happy then you've got somebody at the back of the room like we had mark out in bucharest doing the multi feeds and oh, yes, yes. we had like a thing on one of the days where somehow we'd managed to copy one of his faders onto our desk and we were fading it down oh, and he no. was fading it up and we were yeah. like, what is going on here? <laughs> and quality control going, where's the feed for so-and-so? Yeah. Yeah, we're getting hit by broadcast partners about what have you done with that, you know, on that. I mean, I don't. Th I think you and Mark were fairly good, didn't you? I don't remember any um, uh, no, major we, comments against your name on that. I no, mean, no. I think we briefed you and Mark quite well going, you really do have to pay attention to what the plan is, you know, it's yeah. that forget what you've ever done before. This is, you know, this is a different way of mixing football in that respect. Yeah, and I think I went into it sort of wanted to do it, wanted to do it right, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. you know, that's yeah, when yeah, I saw yeah. the paperwork, I was like, this is a lot of information. Jesus, what is. Is, what is going on here? And then when, once Absolutely. I got there, I was like, it's not actually as, yeah, no. the paperwork gives you all this information, but at yes. least you can sort of look at the desk and think, ah, oh, actually, you know, it's, it's not quite as, big as the paperwork looks but it's because no. the paperwork's got all of the individual feeds but you know you might have one fader that feeds three of those feeds mm. that, if that makes sense like you, you look at it like mm. that and then instead of it being like all of these separate outgoing feeds you look at it and like, oh, actually you know i've got maybe four or five main feeds and then there's other yeah. bits going on and then obviously at the world cup you've got a totally different set of people doing the multi-feed interviews and everything like yes. that so actually yeah. i found the world cup an easier job to do than the euros yes. because you're just doing a match with yeah. a little bit of you know vts going out and yeah and especially where like i know it is something that really baffles me but the fact that we'd got just one fader for all four lines of the evs because it was all 
audio follow video for those as well. Yeah. And I was sat yeah. there thinking, I I've just got two faders for four EVSs. <laughs> All right. And then you're sort of getting grief from production because they're like, going, oh, yeah, I'd do it all for you. I just fade up, you know, you, you just fade up that and I cut all the EVSs or I cut all the cameras. It's, but it has to be, otherwise it would just be so complicated. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, you know, an easy, it's making technology work to, to achieve what the, what we have to deliver for the broadcast partners. Mm. That's the thing. I mean, because we always think where we're sitting there in production control, we are, taking the role of a broadcast partner. So we're going, right, what haven't we got as a broadcast partner? Oh, we haven't got the ISO of camera 50. I don't know anything. So you're, you're there going to try and get it. So Because so, the broadcast partners will phone up instantly. I mean, you know, because mm. one, they're paying for it. So if they're not getting it, they're going, we're not going to pay the bill at yeah, the yeah. end of the day, if you're there. Um, so you have to be you know, very aware that there's a, there's a lot of money involved at the mm. end of the day. And, um, and, you know, and it is the, 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 you know, the biggest broadcast in the world um, doing, doing the World Cup. Um, I mean, going back to the, you know, the multi-feeds, and the, I'd, I'd sooner mix and match than doing the multi-feeds. Because yeah, yeah. the multi-feeds, there's just, you know, it's, I mean, some people still never grasp what multi-feeds was about. And we're always calling through to them going, you realise your interview camera with the German has it got any audio on it, or it's got the wrong audio. I mean, it's, it was. You have to get into a mindset when you're doing the the, the the major host broadcasting. You have to get away from the mindset of you're a broadcaster and get into what feeds am I providing mm. and am I providing them properly? And which is you know, you're almost like a recordist rather than a sound supervisor. Mm. So mixing the match is almost like you know only only half the work. The other half is understanding how it all goes again, yeah. goes together, and and you know what people expect of you. Um, it's yeah, it's it, it is it is. It is a different mindset that you have to get into if you're do doing that. And so we give those seminars and try and explain, and you still get, you know, when you get on site, you're still going, ah, oh, now I know what you meant when, you know, when you said that, that yeah, will be something you need to think about. It feels that sometimes like the, the match coverage is secondary to the other things that goes off. Mm. And, you know, cause especially with things, especially the World Cup where you've got, you know, kick helping you out and you've got, you know, a, a chance to but by the end of you know the first week you've done like four or five games and you've got a rough idea what your ground sounds like and what you need to do to change stuff up it then becomes like i said earlier like a feed management where yeah. it's not you're not a sound supervisor anymore you're just making sure that that's going to the right place and yeah. it's it's a very it's a very interesting concept for somebody who like turns up to do a football match in one day and then leaves and it's just you know turn up yeah. mix a football match go home and then you're done whereas this is like just a, a totally different way of doing it well you know from like testing all the circuits i mean how many video circuits were there um of which you know everything you know you, you know what the lineup's like with, with production yeah, yeah. control when you come through to me and i'm sat in there you know in, in the ibc time and i go right this is <laughs> feed one track one two three four yeah. four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve six eight. right on to the next one because if you took 30 seconds over every audio because it's not it's not already set up by the guarantee engineer mm. Then you'd be there an hour just doing the number of sound circuits that yeah. go down the embedders. Um, I know it's got different to do with um, going into the 5.0 Atmos control rooms where it's all via a MADI stream. Yeah. But there is so many circuits, you know. Because you remember in in the Euros we had that problem with was it on, wasn't on your track was it the Z bit? There was a problem with the Z bit. Um, so you're getting little clicks every now and again. Right. And you're going, oh my goodness. And I only found out about the Z bit last week talking to um, um, Bill Foster of the AES. That the Z bit is something to do with using the AES. You know, AES. Um, it, it's a it's a two channel system, isn't yeah. it? Um, uh, 
that isn't a stereo channel, Bill Foster was saying, he was on the committee, he said it isn't a stereo channel, it is two mono channels on an AES pair, and the Z bit is something to do with the way they took, I'm like, oh, you know, that. <laughs> but, you know, so we had Z bit problems, because mm. obviously the embedder or whatever was happening, and the other one was, um, oh, what was the other one bit that was going wrong, and we were getting low, low level um, noise, I think uh, Rich Williams was sorting that out, and you just suddenly realise, you know, the technology is is cutting edge in, yeah. in terms of that, so I think when we went IP on some of the, um, because of the way the router ended up being IP router, you'd do a test, everything would be in sync at like three o'clock, you were suddenly doing post-match interviews, and the sound was out of sync by 30 seconds, mm. you know, all of a sudden ZDF are phoning up and going, we haven't got this, or blah blah blah, you go, what, and you look at it and going. <clears throat> what? And you realise because the clocking in the um, uh, router are just like lost, and it all just chases now. And there's so mm. much, and, you, and you're going, I don't know how you chase stuff like that. <laughs> you know, it's it has almost got it, it, it's got worse a in a little way, but it should get better in the end. Yeah, but yeah. that whole IP delivery and you know, you need clocks and timestamps and the way it then goes back together. Um, yeah, that that was something which which we learned in uh, in Holland in you know when we were in IBC in two thousand twenty one. Um, there's always something of the technology that will come around and bite you in the bum. I mean, yeah. you know, there's always something which you don't realise that that's you know that that's going to happen until somebody finds out goes, oh yeah, that's a bit of a factor of that. If that loses sync there, then that just runs free and uh, they're not together anymore. Even though you've done a sync test and you're just going, what? <laughs> and it do, it does seem that on uh, big tournaments like that as well. The, do chuck some new technology at it and it's sort of like oh has it yeah. worked <laughs> yeah i know that's i mean that is you're always pushing forward always pushing forward about we can do this with that you know you can do more feeds from that but that'll be via this and you know and you suddenly realize there's a compromise there which you weren't expected to go wrong and you know yeah you're always learning always learning those big events i mean you know well i've done them since what 2002 what's that over 20 years now um and i've done the olympics as well and the winter olympics and you just go the technology um, on that. You know, it's quite surprising. Um, you know, going into um, you know, keep forcing it forward. Mm. Uh, so what you're doing, I say, an IP is the latest version of that because it's much cheaper. Yeah. Well, I, I did the Women's World Cup out in Australia uh, over oh, yeah. the summer, and that was done as remote production, pretty much all of yeah. it. So we were based out in Sydney, and our first game was in Auckland, and we were doing like Amazing. Wellington. Um, and then by the end of it, because obviously the finals, the semi-finals and finals were in uh, in Sydney itself anyway. So we were doing uh, you know a yeah. remote game that was five miles away. But yeah. you know, the, the, there's a bit of a disconnect, I suppose, which you know we all face now with the remote stuff, where you're not on site with the sound assist, and you're not saying to people, you know, can you go and do this? And you you know you you on the radio to people, but you're miles away from them, and you don't really yeah. have that same relationship as you would have had. Even like five years ago, before COVID, it was you know, yeah, it's it's totally changed, and you'd move from one ground to another, but one would be on like a Maddy system, and then the other one would be on like you know, because it was a truck rather than a flyaway, so the the technology was slightly different. So you changing camera inputs and this, that, and the other, and it was it was really interesting to do a tournament like that, which was probably the first time they've done such a big tournament as a as a full remote production. Um, yeah, and yeah, that, that was that was really interesting and just been just been so like detached from where you are because at least when you're doing the world cup or the euros you're at the ground and it's still a yeah. big event where this is a big event where you, you you know you've taken a step back and you you're essentially in a in a studio room with feeds coming into the you, you sort of 
you know they're going to be there, but you're still kind of going, well, I hope they're still there at the end of the job. Yeah. I mean, a good thing about HBS is that Christian Goebel, I mean, yeah, the technology is fantastic. It's so thought through. I mean, that started from, you know, from not so much in Japan, Korea, because that's obviously still the beginning, but from Germany onwards from 2006, the technology in HBS, the way that all goes together. I mean, even down to, I think it was Brazil, where all the containers were built in Germany and then shipped out and, mm. you know, so you've lost that whole, when it was truck-based, because obviously, you know, some people got Lavo there, some Calrex, some Studer, and different compressors. You know, it was, you know, much more of a nightmare. Yeah. As soon as you take control and go, right, you're all going to have, you know, this <coughs> kit, it's all going to be exactly the same for everybody, then you've got, you know, much more consistency. Because one of the big things in, in Japan, I mean, I could easily tell which crew was mixing the football, mm. and we could easily tell which which which, which director. I mean, because it was even down to when we first started. Then, is the directors wanted to? Um, they came in and went. We want to renumber all the cameras. Of the, you know, one of the teams because we don't normally have camera. We have camera three for camera four. Mm. For camera, and we're going. You can't do that. <laughs> no, because there's sound feeds associated with all that. Camera one has to be this issue that's on you know, on there. Yeah. Camera three will be here. And when you look at, you know, but you know, we say Japan, Korea, we just went, no, that's <laughs> not the game. You've signed up to this production plan. Irrespective of what you did before, you will now do this. Yeah. Because we need, I mean, I think by the time Germany came around in terms of pictures, the idea was you could cut between any of the games if you were doing highlights and it would sound and look the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the same colour balance, the same you know, contrast, the, you know, the same audio, same levels, everything like that. And I think, oh, where did we go after Germany? Oh, okay, okay. Uh, what's that? That's 2006 or 2000. South Africa, was it? 10, was that South Africa? Was that 2014? Anyway, you know, we had a consistency that you couldn't tell the difference between the crews. Mm. It was much narrower, and it's got narrower and narrower. I think yeah. with you know, that last Euro game, you know, before I retired, um, was really good i mean i couldn't really tell mm. you know you just went which game is this I, you wouldn't know and the same with the camera shots and the camera angles you're saying you know camera one will do this camera six will do this not mm. you know nobody's allowed to freelance because you're trying to deliver a product that is consistent yeah. and, and that's what the broadcast partners want and that's what you're there for it doesn't matter if you're the you know, greatest virtuoso in the world of doing that if you don't deliver what those broadcast partners want and what the production plan says then you're not doing your job mm. you know it's you're having fun but uh, <laughs> it's not what you're supposed to be doing because you know you've seen the production plan i mean it's very detailed yeah yeah on that i mean you know and that's what we started with you know in germany was the one where it came together where, where we got that format and then christian Gobel obviously took it further and added pictures and you know it got much more more complicated but that was it you, know, you you got the bible and i think we started that as the audio side and i think the picture side went down that as well mm. you know on all, all, all of that because you suddenly realized it was a document that said you know this is the bible as it was called you know yeah. this is how you do it and this is you know, and you will do it. it you know not kind of this isn't this isn't a guide this is this is a plan you know a plan yeah. being you will follow the plan you know you, it's like giving an architectural plan and then going oh i don't really like that bit of brick you know we'll do it some other way no 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 this this will you know the building regs will be down on you like a ton of bricks which is me and rob and whoever's in you know um production control i, bet, because, I, I guess it, i guess it's quite easy at that point to spot who's got an ego and who hasn't yes when it comes to yes like, oh i'm not naming names no i no. could i, yeah, I yeah. could easily name names <laughs> just going you know <laughs> you don't hear the talk about the ghost all the other all the other good things you know, and I, you know, I, you know are you uh, yes well I, I, my um my, my crowning part of the world cup was i think it was the first game and rob keith and he was like 
well, that's the best game we've had so far. And I was just like, oh, that, that'll do me. That's me. I can, I can go home now. It's like getting, it's like getting a Hollywood handshake in, in, in Bake Off. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true, Chris. That is, you know, you do need, because you do need, I mean, we always give positive feedback. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, that was, you know, I mean, we always have to say, you know, you're not doing that quite right. Can you change on mm. that? Or you've missed the, you know, the interview again, um, which is say the multi feeds. But yeah, we always, you know, that, I mean, as we always say, you know, when we, when you do the seminars, we go, we are a team. Mm. If you've got a problem, then, do it, you know, because we are there to help you enact the the production plan. Um, you know, I've done things like, I can't remember where we were. Um, I was trying to get a, a report back going, uh, the French cameraman doesn't want uh, an 816 bolt at the top of his lens. Because, <laughs> you know, I was listening to someone going, what's wrong with one of the games? I go, what? So I mean, just get hold of the venue technical manager and going, if I refer you to page 28 of the mm. production plan, which everybody signed up to, there will be, it doesn't say there might be yeah, yeah. A, a, a microphone on top of the lens. It says there will be an 816 and a full right coat mounted 30 centimeters away from the lens, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Please imp implement it. So the, you know, the, the venue technical manager goes off to the French crew or whatever um, and goes, this is what we have to do. Yeah. You know, I've just been told by head office that this is what will happen. It's not, you know, the cameraman doesn't want it on there. It will be on there. Yeah. yeah so that's, that's where it's, you know, it's, you know, it is, everybody signs up to that production plan. They have to implement that production plan. Mm. There isn't any going off piece. It is, you know, if you can't do that, why can't you do that? And you go, because I've got this, okay, we'll give a dispensation that yeah. that's a fix because where you are on site, something's gone wrong or whatever um but otherwise you will implement that production plan down to the last cross t and dotted i because we spent an awful lot of time and money putting that plan God, together I, I was I mean, having, rob and i banged you know i was having sleepless nights over the uh, positions of the two um behind the goal uh yeah. otrfs because at the, yeah. one of the venues i was at in qatar there was literally no room behind the goal really? no yeah. room on the far side of the pitch either and I was yeah. like, oh, and then something where yeah. there wasn't the right cable to get it because it has to be a home run cable and it wasn't quite oh, you know, right. long enough to get to the right yeah. spot. And I was like, oh, I don't know where I'm going to put this because there's literally like no room around this. And then obviously like you, you sort of put it wherever's reasonable, yeah. don't you, by, by the Best end of compromise. it. Yeah. But yeah, it's one of those things where something you never think about when you're just turning up to Old Trafford or you're turning up to wherever yeah. and you're just doing a football yeah. match, you you're rocking up to a totally different ground you've never been to before with all this extra kit and you're sort yeah. of going, hmm, I don't know where I'm going to put this because there's no room for it. And it says on this bit of no. paper, it has to go here. Because <laughs> the other thing we had at one point is um, photographers because of the mass camera shutter noises mm. and we ended up with like exclusion zones and yeah, they, they can't put it there because why they need the shutter noises on that. Yeah. But that was one of our big problems behind the goal, yeah. the shutter noise um, on there. And of course, the other thing in South Africa was the Zaylers. I yeah. think that was just that, that B flat, you know, ah, just to go through and just looking at it and all the broadcast partners. And we, they put uh, in the end, I think Felix designed, um, you know, so many cutoff rings. It's like, I think the, 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 the fundamentals around 400 and something. And right. just like, you know, and the, and the, and the, and the um, even the harmonics just go and take it out. But I mean, once you've got 50,000 people with Vuvuzelas, there's, you know, it's just like a swarm of angry wasps that are just ruining it for everybody, isn't it? Because it might be great in the ground, but in terms of broadcast partners, you can't do anything with it. You might just yeah. mix commentary over white noise, you know. That, on, that's on that, that's but, where the yeah. maths comes in, where Felix and, you know, people that like excel with the way they do things compared to like, I, I, I wouldn't sit be able to sit there and go, hmm, this, you know, notch this out for it. I'd, I'd be sat there like, you know, with the 
uh, notch filter going across it, going, no, it's there, yeah, found it. Whereas, yeah. you know, people, other people yeah. sit there and go, it's definitely here, so we'll do this. Yeah. It's, it's such a different way of working. Like, uh, thinking about like the World Cup paperwork, there's so many things about like the angles of microphone position and all that. And, yeah. just, you know, I'd never thought about that kind of stuff before. It's just, no. you know, you put See, the like, Yeah. I wonder now with modern technology that if the South Africa World Cup went again with like Vivazelas, whether. Was it South Africa? Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't, uh, wasn't yeah, was it? Whether you could do that with noise reduction, you know, mm -hmm. like with these, you know, AI type noise reductions, which can do it in real time, mm -hmm. whether you could have actually taken a lot of that out and you go, wow, you know, that's technology that, yeah. you know, you could, could, could do that in that respect. Um, yeah. Because oh, the other thing, you know, going back to EQ and stuff like that, is obviously we discovered the best EQ for, for you know, a 416 on a pitch mic um, in the early days is uh, Rob would tune in at home on his on his skybox. I'd be mixing the match and we'd literally just try things live. He'd go, well, take the, take, take the roll off up. You know, yeah, no, no, come back on that. Yeah. Try the, the mid, try the four. Oh, no, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. And it was interesting because obviously it's been encoding you know, with the whole whatever system, whether it's been encoded or, or, or just you know, getting into the embedders and that. So we were trying things live on air. So yeah, you know, I'd be on the phone, mixed with one hand, going, yeah, put a bit more of that. And that's why we found out you, know, you don't need roll-off. You know, you don't need anything below 120 hertz, I'd mm. say, on any of the pitch mics. And I think, what is it? Is it 4K and 8K, isn't it? Something like that, yeah. Think, yeah, 7. So, you know, so you're taking a fundamental, which is quite a good kick. It's like doing a kick drum, and then you've got the next harmonic up. Yeah. It gives it a little bit of... The, I mean, I, I, you can always tell when I've been on the desk because... Um, Powerick has 0.7 as their Q factor set as a as a um, as a thing, and uh, you always find every character that I've been on, you'll find it set to one because <laughs> I find one as a Q is the most musical. It's yeah. why some desks sound sound better than others. It's because of things like the Q. So I, you know, never. It's that whole thing. If you're putting more than three dB of boosting or uh, you know, and more of a Q, then what are you actually achieving? You know, then choose the right mic in the right position. Yeah, that does far more than anything else on that. Um, on that, because the other thing is, you know, going back uh, uh, when doing the seminars, I'm talking when we're doing the Bundesliga one. There's no point having an attack faster than 50 milliseconds on the ball kick group because all you'll do is lose the ball kick. And I'd be doing games on here and coming in, and you, all you hear was click, yeah. and you're going, "Where's the ball kick?" Because it, the, the gate hasn't. You know, the compressor's kicked in far too soon, so you're just at the front edge of it. Mm. So we discovered that, uh, Felix, I think, did the sums uh, when he looked at it on, a, on an analyzer, that it was 45 milliseconds a ball kick basically last. Right. So he needed like 50 milliseconds to do on that. And the other thing which, you know, again, uh, with Felix, he went, I just suddenly realized what you just said. He said, the compressor on the ball group doesn't compress the ball, does it? I went, no, Felix. It compresses the sound spill, and it keeps that. Yeah. constant so when you go between them and it's kind of like you know people started thinking about sound and football in a completely different way yeah. you know as it, as it got more and more complicated so you had to think about you know what was all this technology doing and i say you know the first thing is get a, you know 50 milliseconds attack time and the second thing is just remember that's compressing the crowd and it isn't compressing the ball mm. you know because if you compress the ball you won't hear it yeah um on there so a lot of people have learned a lot of things about um um football and don't and don't use multi-band compressors on a crowd because a multi because a multi-band compressor you don't need it because it's just basically white noise a crowd mm. and if you try and use multi-band compressors to try and achieve an effect you're just going to completely ruin the crowd yeah um i think i think yeah. I, I don't know uh, i think i keep it quite minimal the eq on a crowd just yeah because you know it's a quite a natural, three or something yeah, and it's yeah. a natural sound isn't it so it's it's yeah. you know you sort of want yeah you want that from it and i think that's one of the with with immersive 
stuff now is like you've got so much crowd noise and available to you that you don't really want to do too much to it really to no else you're going to ruin no. the the idea of yeah. having that crowd all around you yeah if you've got good mics um yeah i mean i think i mean i haven't because obviously immersive was, was kicking off when you know everything stopped i don't know what you do about linking all the compression to do with do you want the top to be able to rise when it when it's not i mean i i haven't I, I i don't know what the technique is now really as to how you link all those feeds you know the top mm. and the bottom the 5.1 with the plus four at the top in terms of you know the compressors do you is it worth actually letting it do its own thing a bit more that it's not all linked that doesn't all pump down you know yeah i think i think i goes. i think my compression is pretty minimal on the mm. on the, especially on the extra mics that you've got going on um yeah on the sky and the champions league and yeah um I so I think I followed similar to what the World Cup stuff was as a starting yeah. place because, like you say, you don't want to be it, it, the I, the word immersive makes you think. Well, I want to be immersed in the game. I, I'm there, so mm. you don't want to be you know making giving that computer game feel. You don't want to be giving it something that's not realistic. You want if, to feel like you're sat at camera one. Is, mm. is my is my take on it by yeah. using, like taking the definition of the word immersive that you you're there and that's what you're trying to recreate and. Yeah, I think that's what's changed from when we started. That you've now with immersive, you've got a a, a different environment to put the the viewer into. Mm. Where when we started, you got mono, so just going bang, going ball kicks. But but now, as you say, you know, it's it's a different it's a different listening environment you can deliver to, isn't it? Yeah. So therefore, you want something you know on that. But the other thing that comes down to is. Um, audio consoles and how easy is it to move those microphones yeah. into those various feeds yeah so you know you've got a group set up for 5.1 down the bottom you've got a 4.0 group up top and you go well i want to put a microphone you know i want those i want that stereo pair to be kind of like halfway there and that and you're going that's not an easy thing to rue on yeah. on some desks is it no. i mean you you almost want uh, a you know a kind of graphic gui that you just take right i've got a stereo mic i just want to pull that there i want to move it to 120 degrees i want to stick that in there and that goes all the way because because desks aren't aren't their buses aren't designed to be interactive with each no. other are they no. you know, just very much and, and i know even to do with when we we're in 5.1 you go oh what if i swung a stereo pair you think about this on, the, on an old camera i want to swing a stereo pair into there and you're going Oh my goodness! So if I do diverge, blah blah. blah. If I put that down to the right, but that wants to, and you do. It was it was yeah. mind games to go. All I want to do is just put that stereo pair going across that, and it, it's not yeah. easy. So you know, I, I've had a play about with um, the in Logic because they have the um, Apple's native, uh, you know, for the AirPods. So, oh yeah, so you get spatial audio on the AirPods if yeah. you um, like down mix something in in Atmos on on Logic. Yeah. So I have yeah. played about with football matches. I've like streamed some magic yeah. stuff and just recorded like the odd game. And yeah. that's got a similar system where it is more of a GUI where you can go, I want this mic to be more in this position. So you could have it in the right. middle of the five one and the high. Yeah. And you can move yeah. stuff around and you can you know do it in real time as it's playing through. So you can right. go, oh, I can oh, fantastic. do this kind yeah. of thing with it. And it's 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 really strange. I guess it's probably the way things are going. Because we all, con you know, most people consume a football match or a sporting event on the phone now. Or there's a lot of more yes, people doing yeah. that. You know, you, we we're spending an absolute monumental amount of time trying to make the five-one and the Atmos sound amazing <laughs> when really it's coming out of an iPhone, a, an iPhone speaker or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But 
yeah. you know, Earbuds. with the technology that's coming with these, with the spatial audio, and I don't know what the um, technology is like for live streaming it, but obviously you can render post production in it. And it is interesting because you can obviously make it so commentary is your center. So when you look to the left, the commentary moves to your right ear. Yeah. And which is, you know, a really interesting concept. So you sort of, you do feel to a certain degree, like you are looking at, say, you know, Old Trafford, you're looking at the Stratford end yeah. rather than looking straight at the pitch. And it, it does work, yeah. and it, which is very strange. If you're listening to music and yeah. it's still switched on because you can get on iTunes, spatial audio um, yeah. mixes of, of bands which is quite a weird concept if you put the phone in your pocket and it sounds like you're in a tunnel then because it's everything's sort of down here because <laughs> it's all visual based on where the phone is. I was, I, the first time I did it, I was in a gym wow. and I put my phone yeah. on the floor. And I was thinking, this is terrible. <laughs> it was like a new Foo Fighters album or something. I was like, thinking, this sounds horrendous. What have they done? And then I picked my phone up and it suddenly became really clear. It's like I don't think the foods will be very impressed with them with no. spatial audio because I mean because Grohl is such a an old, you know, they won't use in ear monitors it's no. all wedges and stuff like that yeah, and, yeah. You know, and uh, they said yeah they use the old Studio Twenty Four tracks but I think they do do some stuff on Pro Tools as well but you know they're very retro in yeah. terms of technology aren't they yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and obviously it isn't total that but yeah I can just imagine going yeah put that on there the foods yeah they're, no they're straightforward straight ahead rock and roll stereo. Yeah. Wham bam, thank you, ma'am. It's, it's such a weird thing. Like nobody, nobody would say to somebody, oh, you know, if you've got this switched on, don't put your phone on the like on the side because it will yeah, just move everything over there for you. It's, Fantastic! It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah. amazing, and it obviously, yeah. you know, if you render out a film or some, you know, yeah. like I said render out a couple of bits of audio from a football match, it, it is great to see that it is a, a bit of technology that would make use of immersive audio. Yeah. In, yeah. but it's, it's whether I mean, you know, whether there is technology come in because especially now like you know people like amazon and whatnot are now deep into the football market that yeah being able to render and do that live well it's all about personalizing the um the experience isn't it as to you know what mm. you want so you know it's that, that whole thing about i remember doing a, a a seminar a few years back now going you know in the old days whoever the sound supervisor was, was rendering it, you know, straightforward stereo mix yeah. out, nobody can touch it, you delivered it. And, and we went through all the various processes and basically the rendering is becoming closer and closer to the end user, Yeah, you know, on that. And you're going, oh, that's weird. You go, so you want to make a piece of art or a program and you're going, I've done this, this is what I want it to sound like. Mm. And then because the rendering's gone all the way back to you know, now the end user, they could decide, well, I don't really want to hear the guitars or I don't want to hear the commentary or I don't want to hear that. You know, the end user has got this you know, ability to completely take apart what it is you've done in the ground mm. and going, I don't want it like that. And again, you know, we're saying you're coming back very much as to be a recordist. You're just making all the right feeds going to the, going to the distribution. And then the end user deciding how he wants that rendered down. Yeah. Whether he wants just commentator, just effects, a mix of this, 5.1, Atmos, stereo, mono. I mean, it's, it's, it's te- you know, the sound supervisor becoming, I mean, you found that probably with the World Cup, you know, where you are just in charge of the ball kick mix, and everything else you've just got to f- deliver as feeds that yeah. somebody else will do something with, you know, on, on that. So it's a huge change in, in, in working environment in that respect, mm. and, and coupled with the fact you're also remote, remote from what you're recording. Yeah. Um, you know, you just go, wow. I mean, my, my favourite thing when I was you know, working was I used to like doing single-camera documentaries because mm. you're right in among you. Know, you've got yeah, one microphone, the person you're interviewing, you know what the content is, and, and that is it. You know, there's nothing else you can do with it. But now you're just going, I'm not in charge of any of this. <laughs> this, this you know, 
and it, it, I always said, you know, it's like if you if you were a, a subscriber and you phoned up Sky going, I can't hear this. You go, how would you be if you were the the, the person who was dealing with the complaint about kind of, well, what set top box you got and yeah. what kind of situation you got it set it in because. I don't know how you'd fault find anymore now the yeah. subscriber who said, I can't hear the commentary. And you're going, well, what have you done with your <laughs> box, sir? Because it's leaving. I can see it's leaving. Yeah, on, yeah. On, yeah. But what, whether you're listening to it or not, because I think that's when we first went digital. I mean, my, my quote was, I can hear it in the truck because of clocking, by pulling it back in and then it works. Yeah. But you might not hear any audio at all because yeah. your clock isn't working and things like that. So it's it's like almost ephemeral, isn't it, as to whether it's yeah. out there and whether you can hear it. I mean, it's, well, it's, yeah, it's interesting because strange. I'm, I'm sure you've had this and I've had it where you know a producer's been looking on twitter and gone somebody oh. says it sounds it doesn't sound right and you're like what's the what's the definition of not sounding right what are they listening on what are they in there's, there's there's no you know nobody's gone well it it doesn't sound right because and i'm currently listening to it on my ipad with my 399 headphones and you know are you listening to it on the world's best home cinema yeah. i know it's it's i mean it's we've had that with um with certain producers phoning up from home going this doesn't sound right and you're going but you think like smart tvs you've normally got like environments you can put the audio yeah. into haven't you yeah, yeah there's so many you go how do you know the kids haven't been on there you know playing with that beforehand you come in and just put the match up and it's all anywhere isn't it i mean it's yeah. just it's impossible there's so many parameters that can go wrong and the person who gets it in the neck it's a sound supervisor yeah. at the sharp end going this doesn't sound any good well from where i'm sitting and you get somebody else coming into the room you get the unit manager coming and going Tell me what's wrong with this, you know. Yeah. And then I go, sounds good to me. I go, well, downstream, somebody yeah. somewhere is going, this sounds crap, you know. And you're going, and and you don't get the next job because they've gone. Well, he's no good at that. I listened to his mixes and it's complete and utter rubbish. And you're going, it's been mangled through so many processes yeah. before it gets to that point. And you're going, well, that's my career on the line because of some stupid piece of technology or you know somebody's attitude to something and you where at least if you do you know, in old analog days what that left as it might be a bit noisy and yeah. top end distortion but you knew that what left you was was fixed yeah nobody could do anything to it that was you know that was the audio so but now oh i don't know i mean yeah you, know, you say it's coming into the music business and everything yeah if you've got you know the 5.1 plus 4 running I mean, a punter at home could do anything with that, couldn't they? Yeah. They might just suddenly only have the plus four, and you're just going, <laughs> it all sounds a bit distant, you know. Lead vocals a bit sort of open. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, like I say, it, it so, was the it, it was astonishing that I was convinced that they released a record that sounded dreadful, and it was just the fact that my phone was in my pocket or something. And <laughs> I think that's brilliant. Yeah, and you know, I would have spent ages like walking around going, I'm really disappointed with this. <laughs> There's no right. Up, it's not up front. It's just like sort of like behind me. Straight, straight on social media, telling everybody that it sounded terrible, and then the next time well, I listen to it, I'll be like, oh, actually, no, it's pretty good. But that's the danger with social media. Is that is that comments like that about say you're mixing a Sky match, and all of a sudden somebody's done that and it goes off, then that ends up with a life of its own. Yeah. And there's you, the poor sound supervisor, getting it in the neck. For all this social media stuff going off, going, well, that was rubbish, wasn't it? I don't know who was doing the match and thing, going, it was perfect where it left me, you know, and, yeah. and there's no recourse, is there? No. Because once you've been tarred with that brush, that, oh, that was a load of crap coming out of Manchester United last week, you can't, because you can never get to the point where you go, the reason why that person said that is because 
he didn't understand what he was doing. Yeah. But in the truck, which is why you know you always end up with you know either the, the, the unit manager coming in and going, you know, can you hear anything wrong with this? Can you hear clicks and bangs? Because I can't, you know. <laughs> so, can you tell them that it's okay yeah. in the truck? Because nobody believes you, do they? No. Uh, how how uh, much? Know, um, how much immersive? stuff did you get to do before you retired because and obviously it really came in it was it 2017 i only the back end of it so when we're still because they're not using objects now are they i'm no. talking to mark so so yeah we were still running objects as mm. the as the, I think that's this, the this, kit group or anything yeah just this season's the the objects have gone i believe yeah so yeah i can see but that comes down to stopping the puns as rendering yeah. doesn't it yeah Do you go this is what we want to deliver set your system up you will get what we think we want to deliver to you and it'll be okay yeah i say the more choice you give the punter the more it can go wrong yeah. um if you, you know on that so you know van gogh giving you know the people watching a, a, a palette and load of colors going <laughs> well you paint the, <laughs> yeah you paint the bloody band daffodils whatever you want i mean it's i don't know it's weird isn't it yeah, it's, it, yeah. It, it is um it's one of those things where you think to yourself, well, why am I doing it if, if somebody can then go and just take it apart and, and redo it for you? I know yeah, obviously like yeah. uh, the, uh, on the Amazon Prime games, they give the listener the ability or the watch, the viewer the ability to watch without commentary. Yeah. As like as a second, just a secondary option, which I, th I think turned out to be quite popular as well, which is quite yeah. bad for commentators, I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that was something that was brought in, but that, that wasn't so much of you can take it away in any fancy way it was just a button that says listen without commentary yeah yeah so just it just got as well but then you've got to be doing objects at that point haven't you because you know if you're doing it mixed in oh no it was a, it was, it was a separate bus oh was it yeah. oh, so you just swapped over a different a different transmission pack because yeah, sky did that um in in the early days they put out effects only mm. on, on the bird um on, on on there so yeah like you could choose it you know hit a red button or whatever because some people, you know, they were going and listen to the radio commentary with the with the TV effects. Yeah, <laughs> what that does for timing, I really don't know. No. Because, you know, it's got the goal on the commentary, and you hit roar on there and a roar on there because it's you know never going to be in sync. It's, it's interesting with with yeah. the World Cups and things where you you do get people saying, "Well, the commentator said the goal went in before the ball got in the back of the net," and you're like, "Well, <laughs> you know, we did do a timing lineup. It's it, yeah, it should be fine. Yeah. Once it gets yeah. past me, it's nothing to do with me. I don't put the commentary no. on it." It could be going in, and, and, and that whole thing about you know uh, UHD video and HDR and anything, you know, it takes a lot of processing time. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's often several frames, if not seconds, out of you know out of alignment. I mean, it's yeah. very easy for for you know if the commentary is going via a, a, you know a different circuit and not tied into that video mm -hmm. at that point, they could easily be calling it before you saw it, <laughs> couldn't you? On that, I mean, I'm glad I haven't had much to do with virtual studios, but I don't think I could cope with like 120 milliseconds delay between you know, fading something up. <laughs> and hearing it and yeah you know just go this just yeah there's only so much you can do isn't there you know, yeah there's a lot of that now where you you're watching yeah. it not in any way in time and then you expect no. it to do like a really good lip sync test and you say well it does look in time but there is you know hundreds of bits of pieces in the middle of that now that's making this virtual studio yeah. and these ar graphics that are popping up and all yeah. this kind of stuff and you're like well yeah it, it was easier when it was an analog desk and just somebody sat in front of a screen. Absolutely, yeah, it's a green screen. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows where the technology will go in the future, Chris? I mean, it no. could. Well, you know, what do you, what do you do? I mean, you know, they're delivering you know separate audio, but I mean, they will be able to deliver separate cameras mm. in the end, so you can decide to keep cutting to camera one if you want, yeah. or 
no no but, but i mean that is that personalization that's what yeah. that's what the next um, monetization of the of the games will be, will be personalization mm. that you have your individual experience so yeah you're sitting next to the commentator or you're sitting down in row three near you know near the cameras right near the pitch and because it will just go out and you'll you'll render how you wish to see that match and how you wish to experience yeah. it whether you want to sit with the home fans your away fans or you know on top of the bloody roof i don't know yeah <laughs> it's just but yeah yeah that's life yes well we'll wrap up shortly and um let you, get, let you go and carry on with so but what i was going to ask is how how's retirement are you still keeping Wonderful. fully retired Wonderful. Yeah, I mean, apart from because Rob does um, um, things like The Masked Singer and uh, Michael McIntyre's The Will and, and The Big Show and that, um, we've got, what, five spot-on systems. Right. So, um, and some racks of effects and, and Neve 33609 compressors, which is all cased up. And we can get the various rigs we want in the back of my Audi estate car. Right. So um, apart from the big shows like um, uh, um, Britain's Got Talent, where we have to hire a, a, a rock and roll shipping company to take the trunks, which has yeah. got you know, so much more kit on that. Um, I'm basically a delivery driver, so oh, I pop up to Bobbington every now and again. <laughs> and I pop over to, to Conrad Fletcher with um, the mix bus and drop some stuff off for him because he's going up to do Mike Mander. So I'm basically a glorified delivery driver. Oh, well. and, and I do the accounts. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, I am still involved. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's good. I mean, yeah, I'm not out of, you know, I go to things like the SVG meeting yeah. last week. So I stay in contact just to see, see where it's going. I'm sure there'll come a point in like three years' time I'll go, I don't understand that technology. I think I'll just stay at home, <laughs> play my guitar and ride my bike and, you know, and do whatever. Because it has to come a point. I mean, you think if you're a sound supervisor who came into a truck and, and the last time you worked was like, you know, I don't know 1978, mm. you come into that digital desk and go in, where do I touch? Where do yeah. I start? I mean, you'd understand the faders, but the entire interface, you yeah, you'd just be, you know, because I, I, we've, uh, all, you know, talked to all the manufacturers over the years. The one thing that annoys me about SoundDesk is they've got far too many knobs. I just think it's ridiculous because mm. you can only touch one knob at a time with one yeah. hand because the other one's got that thing. And you're going, why have I got all this real estate in front of me? Um, so with the Calrex, I don't know if we use the same, basically, you pull up every screen. It's got a different thing. It's one's got the EQ, one's yeah, got the routing, yeah. one's got the compression. So when you hit a button, you see the full, you know, explanation of what that one channel's yeah, doing. Yeah. But in terms of the number of knobs you can touch, you know, because I remember having this conversation with Felix and, and Philip Lavo. I go, I pulled out my phone. I went, "There's my iPod. It has no manual, <laughs> and it has a button in the middle and a rotary thing." I said. I can use that, and so can punters. You know, yeah, yeah. why have we got desks that are desks? You have to get the handbook out to do things, yeah. and, and even with the you know the, 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 the Apollos, you know, I'm going. I want to do that to that. I it's a bit of that. I'd, I'd I'd pull up the handbook and going. Oh yes, yeah, so I've got to select that. Go to there. Do that. Do that. And do. All right. Yeah, I've got that. Yeah. But if you only do that once every six months because you, you know, you're reconfiguring something, you have to keep getting the manual out six yeah. months later because you can't remember exactly what the button push sequence was. To, you know, I don't what? know whether the new ones are better, are they? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like that with the Lavos because I've obviously used the yes. Lavo every, you know, yeah. Yeah. once or twice a year years. or something. <laughs> I'm sort of, you go back and you're like, I need to remember not to have that assign light on because I'll yes. wipe everything well, because you press desk. that, you're, yeah. <laughs> ah, it's, you get caught and I go, but what did I do when I had that sign light on? Which channel was it I had the on? Yeah. And I've changed the... And you're going, oh, no. What, what, have, I got, what have I got 14 near centres on the pitch at the minute? <laughs> <laughs> I but I mean, from all the desks I've used over all the years, and I've used like Carrick, Lavo, Stagetech, Studer, everything on that, 
none of them are the bee's knees. They've always got one bit that's really good in terms yeah. of that. I mean, like the Lavo audio follow video is just fantastic. Mm -hmm. The Stage Tech for audio follow video is rubbish. Here, it's that whole yeah, yeah. horses for courses. You know, if I was doing audio follow, follow video, I'd always want a, a, a Lavo because yeah. you can make on on the fly adjustments very, very easily. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know whether Cowrec have, have got into that kind of, you know. I know, I know on the, the Apollo, there's, there's the... Uh, you can just access it via like the same same menu as the EQs and whatnot. Um, yeah. But I think getting stuff into it's not you know you obviously assign GPIs whereas with the yes. Lavo it's a yeah. it's the yeah. just rotary knob into it and you pick which one you want. Yeah. That's what it's interesting yeah. that because like, I always a Lavo is like an engineer's desk, so you, yeah. you can you know it's they're a great bit of kit. You know you can get you know especially for things like the World Cup where everything has to be sort of the same spec and the same one well, no, it's fantastic but i still find what walking up to a calorec if the desk was blank you'd get it you'd going it quicker than yeah. the than the lava yeah i think you're right i think yeah i, I don't know that's just because we're british and we're just used yeah, to that whole maybe. thing but yeah i mean i get very confused with the studio because you know that studio got that ability to move all the faders left right you know to yeah. do with, you hit that button and you're going oh so i uh, i love <laughs> I, the very first desk, so I, um, yeah. when I was at Televideo, the yeah. the first desk, I, the first car rack I used was an M2. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Which is only like a 16-channel one. But then the, yeah, yeah, little Grams desk we called them. Yeah, yeah, and then it was in one of our little Vito, Vario yeah. van things. And yeah. then I moved on to the uh, Studer 9 or 8, whichever it was. And I, yeah. I loved it because obviously it was the first yeah. digital desk that I'd used and it was like, yeah. oh, I, I, you I could like call this. Yeah. yeah, I just get straight into it and used to love yeah. like work, making it work and do look. And yeah. then the first time I used the CalRec, I was like, this is so easy. Because obviously yeah. the routing in the studio is so much more complicated. Other yeah. things like, you know, there's random stuff on the desk, like you say, where you can put your elbow down and change the fader from a yeah. the actual fader to its aux. And yeah. you're like, you don't need that. No, Especially no. on the broadcast in thing about the the studio is is it is um io based in terms of if you've chosen that channel then that channel is the the, the priority kind of thing isn't it? everything involves around that channel so if you drop that off you lose all the parameters that are associated with that channel if you change like what the the input um, yes. number you yeah, want yeah. and then just going I really don't need that as a sound supervisor. You know, I've got that set up. I just want to change what my 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 DSP is. Yeah, and you just trashed all the stuff that I've just it's set tricky, up because I've. Yeah. It's tricky little yeah. things like if you leave something faded up and delete it off the desk, it stays faded up because it's, yes. it's faded up in the in the DSP. And you're yeah, like, that, I know that's just yeah. such a weird weird concept. Because then you got to go. Then you go. Well, how do I get back that I can get rid of that? I mean, one thing I hate is inheriting another sound supervisor's desk if you happen to go in and yeah. do it because you've got no idea of how i mean i've done that and because I, I, on the cowrick i mean you have to look at everything you know, like on the on, on the on the fader table you know there's lots of little things in the little square you know video yeah. box on that and i hadn't missed I, and the fader had been i can't remember, it's a difference between cloning and 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 thing and i was doing it on one channel but the other channel was you know and he's going Ah, oh, yeah, this is so frustrating. Yeah. Like, why would you want that fader in two places? Yeah, because I'm I'm a great believer in it. You know, in a piano, you start with the lower C's, you end up with the higher C's. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't want that that middle C also down here in the no. lower area because that's not right. You know, it's a keyboard. Yeah. I I have to have it. You know exactly. You know, yeah. 
that I know that that the effects mics are there, the things there, it comes up and it's, and it's all in groups. Yeah. As soon as you start like, you know, cloning a fade, you go, what? Well, I need that because sometimes, no, 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 no. If if you can't do it, you don't. Nah. And, and I just, I need that piano. Yeah. You know, yeah. I know where I am. That middle three is always there and where that is. And when people move it about, you go, no, I, I, I can't cope with that. It doesn't sort of suit my style. Yeah, you know, yeah. It has to. You know, you've got a group of that and a group of this and that, and you can always do it if you put your hands in the right place. Yeah. I don't you know. I know it sounds. I know it sounds easy to say, "Well, I've cloned that fader; it's also there." But when when you make a mistake, you've got a different muscle memory to go. Where is that yeah, feed? Because yeah. you got it there, and you've got it there, and if you've only got it there, then you're always going to go to that channel if you've yeah. got a problem. You know, with, yeah. with, with that. But that's the whole thing about you know with with digital desk. It, it, it is everything to everybody, isn't it? Yeah. And you can just completely make a mess of it in terms of you know routing. I mean, it's. It's yeah. I mean, with so many groups and auxiliaries, you can get really silly. And mm. uh, you know, I, I know. I think uh, when Sky, you know, a, a, a few years ago, when the, when the new trucks came out, they were like they were using something like you know twelve groups, and you're going, why are we using twelve groups? It's just a commentary over you know. And you're just <laughs> I've, going, I've done a job with you know, in in the last couple of years with ten mains. Have you? Yeah, ten. Ten mains. That's ridiculous. It's it's madness, and you you think to yourself. It's still just a football match with, you know, commentary and effects. It's just the way, you know, the, the way it's been dealt with further down the line requires all of these extra. I think, to be fair, I think that was when it was COVID and they were doing the fake effects. So you'd got, yeah, like two versions of lots of different things. Yeah. yeah. God, I mean, you just think, what, that, you know, why can't. The other thing, you know, my, my answer to that, that, if there's 10 there, is that four of them are probably basically the same, you know, off, all off those main four. So basically, you just need to take some direct outputs or some routing off of that. So you haven't got 10 main faders. Mm. You've basically got four main faders and the other stuff daisy chaining off. Yeah. Because yeah. there's no way you can put different. You know I mean, that this, it's, it's, what can you do? Mm. You, know, you might have to cope with four mixes, and all the others must just be either time delayed or have something else fed into them. Yeah. I don't know, but it just seems to me that you know, the idea of direct outputs and some prefades would probably get out of the way of 10 main <coughs> mixes because it would be available, you know, yeah, as a yeah. submix of something else. Because you can, because you think I want to unroot that, so you've got to unroot like 10, yeah, <laughs> 10 master buttons, and again, no, that's not, you know, that's, that's not good news for if anything goes wrong. I'll be there going, ah. <laughs> one final question because it's quite yeah. an important one as well all, all the years on the road did you have a favourite service station <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, in, in rock and roll it was always the Watford Gap one yeah yeah. and Sky Football it must have been one up the M6 or something I think on that on there. but yeah rock and roll is definitely Watford Gap everybody yeah. met Watford Gap yeah, uh, yeah. In, in, in the old days of touring um, yeah, there's, there's quite a nice one isn't there Uh Oh yeah, no, no, no. What for Gap? We, we forget TV that, but yeah. we'll go what for Gap rock and roll. Oh, it's that. just I, it's one of those things yeah. I was thinking about last night. I was like, yeah. I, was, I was coming back up the A1 and thinking there's yeah. no good services on the A1. But then no. obviously working in TV, I was like, I do have favourite service yeah. stations. So the one um, yeah, going up the M40, the farm shop one. The there's the farm shop one at yeah. Oh, the one in oh that is fantastic. The one yeah. up in Cumbria, yeah. that's really good. Yeah, well, there's that one in Gloucester the as well, isn't there? Is it? Yes, because yeah. they did. I've stayed at the one in um, when I did the Tour of Britain cycling. Yeah. And um, we stayed at the one up in Cumbria on there. Yeah. And that is a really nice service station. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. They've got a duck pond and everything. Yeah. I mean, it's lovely. Yeah. No, that's got my vote. Yeah. Good. We'll that go one. with that then. Well, thanks very much for uh, shining then today. 
Excellent, Chris. Good luck with all the other people. That yeah, you're gonna I'm hauling. I mean, so, yeah, you've got all the names and frames, and you need to put them in. So. Yeah, and looking yeah. forward to using this to pass up some time, not not watching daytime TV when I'm not working. So yeah, you don't want to that, never put the TV on before seven o'clock in the evening. That's my rule. I, I think most um, of the time now, it's never put the TV on. This is my drive no. <laughs> Well, big thanks to Ian for that, and we will be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. Until then, like and subscribe, and all that kind of thing. And thanks for listening.